The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome once again inside the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Once again, I am the namesake. Thank you for joining us. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley area, and I don't think any podcast of any area that's based in West Virginia or in this region could start without a mention of the tragedy going on in Roan County and the tragic events that they're dealing with from last Friday. Roan County's Alex Miller, a senior football player there, died on the sidelines during their game with Clay County. The incident happened at the end of the first quarter. If you weren't already aware, if you hadn't looked into the details of that, Miller had a heart issue. One of his teammates was standing next to him, helped alert the EMTs, and after a time, he was taken to the hospital and died later that evening. Since that happened on Friday, uh, there's been an outpouring of support from everywhere. A number of people gathered at Ritchie County High School on Sunday to help raise money for the Miller family. I know St. Mary's Wendy's had something on Tuesday night, a fundraiser for the Miller family, and I'm sure there have been a lot of different efforts and a lot of corners of the state. So there's just been an outpouring of everywhere. And it's just something that's been on the minds of everybody that is in or around high school football or just West Virginia in the last several days. The fact that this young man who likely, just like anybody else in the state that plays the game, got up, got dressed, put his uniform on and was probably as proud as anybody else that you can imagine in that circumstance. And the last thing that was on his mind would be that he was about to embark on his last day on earth. And I don't really know what you do if you're the Roan County Raiders at that point to move on or to continue with your season. This is a wound that's going to hurt for some time. I think the best thing you can do if you're Roan County is to keep moving forward one day at a time and to find strength in one another and find strength in coaches who are also confused and hurting and very sad about this. We should not be in the circumstances to where we're having to raise money and send offerings of condolences and support to the Miller family and the community because, you know, logic tells you this isn't supposed to happen to a high school senior. But unfortunately, we're in that circumstance. Unfortunately, nothing's guaranteed in life. We're not guaranteed any amount of time. And unfortunately, bad things do happen. And there's not any avoiding that. And they do happen even in our most enjoyable of leisure activities. And let's be honest, if you're listening to this high school football podcast, you enjoy high school football on your weekends. It's part of your regular life, and you probably enjoy other forms of football as well. That's where you go to escape the problems of the real world. That's why sometimes people get upset when things like politics and things like world news bleed into their sports, because for them, sports is an escape. So that's in part why this is so difficult to process, is that even this is not the escape. Even the formerly safe place is no longer the safe place, and bad things do happen in sports. I tend to be somebody that looks for the good in things. I think it is touching how the entire state is rallied around the Miller family. Tuesday, as we sit here and tape this podcast, people around the state are encouraged to wear maroon in support of the Miller family. I was looking on Twitter earlier today, and I saw a still shot of Hoppy Kerchival from his talk line show. Hoppy Kerchival is wearing a Roan County number 80 t-shirt today, which I think is an extremely classy gesture. I know there's a lot of folks whose hearts and minds and prayers have been with those that are hurting in Roan County. If you're the coaches, I think it's really on a day-by-day basis as well. You push the kids if they feel like being pushed. If you can sense that maybe they're overwhelmed, maybe step back a little bit. But I think the very act of being out on the field is going to be somewhat healing for that group. I think the normalcy is going to be healing. 
and therapeutic, even though they're going to be without a teammate and a friend in that locker room. And I think there are going to be inspirational moments throughout that season, throughout the remainder of their season, but there are also going to be tough moments. I don't imagine homecoming is going to be the most normal homecoming out there this year, and I don't imagine senior night is going to be one where there are a lot of dry eyes in the house. But that having been said, a lot of people were shaken up when this happened. I think a large part of that, as I wrote in a piece on Metro News, I think a large part of that is because of the fact that West Virginians have been through tragedy numerous times and probably far more than we deserve. Whether it's mine disasters, industrial disasters, tragic events, illnesses, you name it, West Virginians have suffered from a lot of different things, floods, to name a few. But that has given West Virginians the ability to empathize in a way that I don't know many others can empathize in our country. West Virginians can look at a situation and the first thing that a lot of West Virginians will think is, well, what if that were my family? What if that were my kids? How would I feel? And they try to provide help and support in the way that they can. And I was talking about this with my girlfriend this week too. And one of the things that she said is that West Virginians provide support even when they really can't. West Virginians might not have a lot, but they'll certainly share with you. And I think this is why you're seeing such an outpouring of support in terms of the financial donations, at least. West Virginians aren't the wealthiest bunch, but a few dollars here, a few dollars there from a lot of people that care, and that adds up. So we're a state of people that are willing to share what we have and are willing to bear the burden of grief. And I think a lot of people have done that this weekend and will continue to do so. For what it's worth, on behalf of this podcast, and on behalf of, I'm pretty sure I speak for everyone at Seven Ranges Radio, my employer, the thoughts and prayers uh, are with the Miller family, the Roan County community. It's truly awful to see you know, someone taken so young, but we will be thinking of you and praying for you for the rest of the season and beyond, because that's a long healing process. This is a high school football podcast, and as we said, football is an escape. There's no easy transition out of the Roan County story into other stories from last week because I've thought of one in a number of different ways, and it just doesn't exist. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take the business of football as it comes. How about Williamstown? Let's start there. It's as good as any place to start. Williamstown looked look convincing in their win at Marietta. Uh, they stopped a really good running game from Marietta, a running game where they had a guy put up over 300 yards two weeks ago, and as a team... Marietta was bottled up to less than 30 rushing yards. And another one of the things that I said in my piece on Metro News is that Williamstown, of late especially, they have a knack for taking the thing that you like to do to other people and then doing that thing to you. You like to run the ball down people's throats? Let's run down your throat and see how you like it. And they tend to do a good job of that. And that's exactly what they did. The Yellow Jackets dominated Marietta on the ground in this game. And... That almost is one of those add insult to injury kind of things because for a team that runs the ball so much as Marietta does, uh, to have the ball run on them, that could not have felt particularly good. This Williamstown team is really starting to round into form in a few areas. Jarrett Frazier ran for two touchdowns. Ty Moore ran for 117 yards. Braden Modisett threw for a touchdown. So three touchdowns for him. He ran for two. So they might not have a big horse, a, a Donathan Taylor in the backfield this year, but that doesn't mean that they can't move the ball and find offense and other players are stepping up on that team you're starting to see it so uh, two and one Williamstown will host Ravenswood this week and they might be headed on the path toward another strong season but they certainly look convincing against Marietta and they stopped a team by the way in Marietta that had scored more than 50 points in each of their first two games this year not combined 50 in each one 
Williamstown looked convincing in their win in doing so. Parkersburg South now 3-0, and they now have one of the most potent pass rushes in the area. Braxton Amos got the start at nose tackle for Parkersburg South. He's a senior, known as a two-time state champion wrestler, the Dutton Award winner from last year. He and Jeffrey Tucker combined to be a strong defensive line duo. Amos with three sacks in his debut. He recovered a fumble, and Amos and Tucker might as well have been paying rent in that Athens backfield. They wreaked havoc all night long, as strong a duo as maybe I've seen ever, if not a long time, at the defensive line spots in high school. It was almost as much fun to watch Parkersburg South on defense last week as it was to watch them on offense, and that's saying something because this is a team that can throw the ball and run the ball with the best of them. They have a strong running game, and they did that also. Brandon Penn was just shy of 200 yards rushing, three scores on the ground for him. Devin Gaines ran for two scores. This is a team that doesn't have a discernible weakness that most people can see. The kick coverage could use a little work, but if that's the biggest weakness you've got and you can put up points and you can stop people on defense, then... That's the one you're willing to live with, or you can weather, I think, better than most. But, boy, Braxton Amos just brought a new dimension to that South defense that I didn't think he or anyone else was capable of bringing. I remind you, this is a kid that hasn't played football since the 8th grade. He's going to go wrestle at Wisconsin. He made that announcement before the game Friday against Athens. But looking at him, he used a lot of the same tactics and techniques as you see wrestlers use. You know, he wrapped guys up and was able to put them to the ground efficiently, and he got there quickly. Hustles, it's not out of the realm. He's in, he's in incredible shape, so it's not out of the realm to think that he would be good at football or good at the defensive line or even linebacker spots, but I don't know that I would have expected this good. So South 3-0, they'll have Princeton this week, and again, this is a South team that's poised to do some special things, a so 3-0 for the first time since 2004. A really nice bounce-back win for PHS as they picked up a 35-6 victory against Woodrow Wilson. It seems like they are settling on Bryson Singer as quarterback, maybe getting the nod over Michael Owen, though Owen did get a touchdown run in the fourth quarter, and the only carry he had. Singer threw a touchdown pass to Braden Mason, threw one to Sam Potts, 7-13, throwing the ball for 138 yards. But to be honest, the PHS running game has done the trick for them most of the season. 41 carries, 259 yards, just shy of 400 yards of total offense. So they haven't needed to put the ball through the air by and large this season. So they're 2-1, and one, a nice bounce back for PHS, and they will go to Capital on Friday in a game we'll talk about later in the program. A Magnolia touchdown on the final play of their loss against Shadyside last week is the only thing that's saving the Blue Eagles from back-to-back shutouts to start the season. Magnolia has really struggled to get it going on offense. They were limited in the run game last week. They only ran for 80 yards this week, so they've barely eclipsed 100 total yards in two games running the football. 163 yards of offense last week, and the loss to Shadyside. That's a new quarterback in Caden Caesar. They've got Brenny Morandi as a wide receiver. Silas McKeever out there as a receiver, too. There are some receivers that have been targeted on this team. So Magnolia is trying to find some answers. It's not happening for them. They will go on to play River this week in what's going to be a tough game. Mike Flannery's group got a breakthrough win. They're now 1-2, and two, and they'll visit Magnolia. They got that breakthrough win on Friday, so they will be hungry and ready to go. And that should be an interesting game because we'll see how Magnolia responds, if they've got anything, because River should 
should be hungry and they should be ready to pounce on this one. Frontier is 3-0, and one of the area's biggest surprises that we haven't talked about a ton yet. Not a surprise because we knew that this was a team that was getting better toward the end of last year. Russ Morris even said as much to me in our preseason preview series. But 46 to nothing, they won against Bridgeport. They'll play Cameron next Friday. Nice connection they've developed between quarterback J.D. Schmidt and Logan Brookover. Those two hooked up three times for touchdown pass plays. Brookover caught seven balls for 143 yards, and they even get it done on the ground. Joel Lewis, just 10 carries, 164 yards, two touchdowns. All told, Frontier picked up 485 total yards of offense, and that might be a team that we're talking about here in a month, a month and a half in terms of playoffs and the kind of run that they could make. Parkersburg Catholic still reeling from their loss to Ritchie County. South Harrison got the best of them, 28-21. The question that I pose, are they still stunned from the Ritchie County loss, or are people keying in on Jeb Boys? And to be quite honest, I think it might be both. Coach Lance Binniger has said in no uncertain terms and, and many times throughout the preseason that he's willing to get the ball into the hands of his best player, Jeb Boyce, on the outside at quarterback. He's not afraid to have Boyce throw the ball. He's not afraid to have Boyce run the ball, have Boyce given the ball by somebody. But when you know Boyce is the target, it's one thing to try to stop him, but people are keying in too much on Boyce. You can't say that's limited him too much because Boyce is still putting up numbers. But 20 carries, 66 yards to the ground for him. That's not what we normally see from him. He did throw the ball 10 times and throw a pair of touchdown passes. How about the work of receiver Nick Stricker? Three catches, 109 yards. Two of those catches were touchdowns. And I suggested it last week that I think this passing game for Parkersburg Catholic is going to have to be what comes up next and takes the big step. Xavier Colley with a touchdown pass as well. I think sometimes when you put Boyce in that position to throw the ball, you almost hamper Colley's development and hamper his ability to get comfortable. We're starting to see that a lot of running backs are best when they're hot, and I think quarterbacks are the same thing too. When quarterbacks are hot and when they get going, they are their most successful. So we'll see if Colley takes that step. We'll see if Parkersburg Catholic just flat out puts Boyce under center at some point. I, I, I don't know, but it'll be Wark County and Parkersburg Catholic in a game Friday that I think is going to be a little bit better than most people might have expected those two to put up when this schedule was released. Wark County is a surprising 2-1 and one because they've picked up a couple nice wins. They beat Gilmer County 27-2 last week. That, too, was a safety late in the fourth quarter for Gilmer County. So that was a shutout for a long time for Wark County. After a loss in their opener, Wark County's won back-to-back games, and they're building confidence under Jason Hickman in his second stint as head coach there. So that is definitely a tough game for Parkersburg Catholic on Friday, and we'll see how the Crusaders respond after back-to-back losses, first to Ritchie County and last week to South Harrison. Watch high school football live streamed wherever you are. Don't miss the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55 for great coverage of the area's biggest games. Join us this week as Ritchie County hosts St. Mary's. Kickoff is 7 p.m. from Schofield Stadium in Ellenboro. Log on to 1455media.com slash live. That's the word 14 and the number 55.com slash live. It's the Moran Construction Game of the Week on 1455 Sports. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. Let's take a look at this week's poll question. We asked Marietta or Williamstown, who you got? A lot of people said Marietta this year, more than maybe in other years. I had more people come to me privately and say they really thought Marietta looked good this year. And I thought the game itself would be closer, the poll sure was. 
21 votes were in, and with 21 votes, Williamstown got 52% of the vote. Marietta got 48% of the vote. Of course, Williamstown won that game 34-7 to last Friday, as we mentioned earlier in the program. The one comment we got was from Ron McCurry, who wrote Marietta looked pretty good in their first two games, and I would agree. The way they ran the football and moved the football and put up points, I thought that at the very least, they would come a lot closer to Williamstown than 34-7 to and not be completely shut down the way they were. And that had to be a little bit of a confounding result for a lot of people in this area. A lot of longtime observers of high school football had to be a little bit confused there. But then again, a lot of longtime observers of high school football know that one thing you don't do is you don't pick against Terry Smith because the Yellow Jackets always seem to find a way to get it done. Like I said, that poll was close. I expected the game to be close as well. To be honest, I expected the game to be closer than the poll. If you told me that one of the two would be close, I would have taken the game over the poll because, again, as we said last week, people vote with their hearts and not always with their heads. But I really thought Marietta had a better chance in 34-7, and I honestly think they're a better football team by and large than that. So you have to wonder what kind of a long-term repercussion that might have. We saw a Parkersburg Catholic team that may have come out a little stunned after the loss to Ritchie County two weeks ago and fell 20-21 to to a South Harrison team that had only scored 12 combined points in their first two games. So maybe the biggest challenge for Marietta this week isn't so much going to be Ripley. We'll get to that game in just a second. But it's going to be to shake off that feeling of being stunned from not just the loss to Williamstown, but the way it went down, the things that Williamstown did to them, the holes that were exposed by the Yellow Jackets and what that loss might have done to Marietta's collective psyche. This week's poll, and I'm going to explain this here, so hear me out before you run and vote. Based on current safety measures and technologies, would you play or would you let your child play high school football? Why or why not? It's a yes-no poll, hoping that people would elaborate on that. I'm not entirely talking about concussions and helmets and shoulder pads and things like that. I'm talking about the way physicals are conducted and the thoroughness of physicals. One of the things that I have thought about a lot this week in light of the passing of Roan County's Alex Miller, and without getting too speculative on this, is whether or not there was a pre-existing heart condition involved with Miller. And sometimes people know about those things, sometimes people don't. And sometimes non-athletes have these issues where there is a pre-existing heart condition that exists in someone, and it goes undetected until something bad happens one day. Not that not playing an extracurricular act activity would completely take away the risk of some kind of an incident, but it would certainly reduce the risk and it would take away a big risk factor. We'll learn much more on that in coming days, and I'm someone that likes to see the good in things, as I said earlier, but I'm also somebody that likes to see the lessons and learn the lessons from something bad. And if there are lessons to be learned from this, if it comes out that maybe we need to do a better job to monitor players for certain things, maybe we need to get more information or to dig deeper into a person's medical history before we let a minor do certain activities in high school, then I'm all for it if that's what keeps this safer. I think there are always lessons to be learned and always things you can do to make things safer for people. It all depends on what comes as a result of further findings and further investigation because, again, there is investigation going on involving Alex Miller's death. We're all curious to know exactly what this is, and I think it's of the utmost importance to learn as much as possible about it so that if possible we can prevent it again. I think there's a lot of people that would say that they don't want to feel the way that they feel this week. 
and they wouldn't wish that on anybody. I think we owe it to everyone involved and everyone hurting this week to try to figure out if there's something preventable that caused this death. Can we fix it? How can we fix it? What can we do to not see this happen again? If that's an achievable measure, I think it is something that we need to work toward. But it's not just that. It's, as I said, the other things too. Concussions, helmets, enforcement of hip, thigh, and knee pads, just anything that you can imagine as far as player safety and the technologies that exist today. Do you feel comfortable playing or do you feel comfortable letting your child play high school football? I really hope that we take it in an interesting direction. I don't know what people will do. I might just get a vote on that, and then we might have to throw some thoughts out there next week, but I really certainly hope that engenders some conversation. Taking a look at our games of the week in the area, big matchup between Ritchie County and St. Mary's. They both had last week off. They're both 2-0. The Rebels hosting the Blue Devils in that one. In the SSAC poll that came out today, St. Mary's is number one, Ritchie County a little farther down. In the Metro News Power Rankings, it's Ritchie County that outranks St. Mary's. I think that St. Mary's is going to have the tougher time in this one, not just because Ritchie County is home, but because of the way the Rebels have scored this year. They have run the ball at will this season, and they have a lot of weapons. So St. Mary's is going to have a few different people to take away, and they've not had to play a team where they've had that many weapons to try to take away at once. So I think the burden is on St. Mary's to try to show something about themselves in this one. And with two weeks to prepare, they might have to hope that a quarterback controversy is developed in Ritchie County because that's about as big of a distraction as the Rebels are going to have in this one. Uh, in other words, the Rebels aren't going to find a distraction and an obstacle in that game that's bigger than themselves. I think Ritchie County can win this by as many as two touchdowns. It would not surprise me if the difference in this game is as many as two touchdowns. The way they've played, as dominant as they've been in their wins, they have shown me a lot more than St. Mary's has. I know the people in St. Mary's are going to get excited about the fact that they are number one in the state, and you're going to see that posted all over Facebook, but it's two games into the season. The season's 20% done. There's a lot of football left to play, so I don't read much into that SSAC ranking, and neither should you. St. Mary's has the makings of a team that could be a playoff team this year. They did a big thing by getting both wins at the start of the year against AA teams. That's some bonus points, and though Roan County and Scott might not have a lot of wins themselves, the fact that that's AA bonus points will help boost St. Mary's regardless. There are enough winnable games on the schedule for St. Mary's that they should definitely end up at 5-5, five and five, if not 6-4. and 7-3 and three is an outside possibility for this team, too, so so while they're at number one now, I don't look for them to stay in number one. And I think the burden here is on St. Mary's to prove why they belong in the top echelon of teams in the state. Ritchie County, I think, is there. Ritchie County is easily the most slept on team in the Class A portion of that Metro News Power Rankings poll. No question about it. And the Rebels, I think, are one of the top five, if not top three teams in Class A. PHS and Capital should be a fun one. And it's going to be a real litmus test for PHS. They've had three games this year, one that did not go well two that went pretty well for them. They're 2-1, and one, uh, and the loss was a blowout loss on the road at Capital Midland. This is their second road game this year. They have just four total road games. They're at home for six. PHS can really show us a lot if they hang close with and or upset Capital at University of Charleston Stadium this week. I know some of you call it Laidley Field. It'll always be Laidley. That's all right. And the other game I got an eye on this week is Marietta and Ripley because Marietta needs to show some backbone here. We need to see this team respond and step up after they were kicked and battered a little bit in their loss against Williamstown. Their egos are going to be bruised. Their psyches are going to be a little bit damaged. This is a team that's got the potential to do some big things, but they've got to rise up here and put up a, a strong effort against Ripley. And Ripley's going to be hungry, too, because they lost to Parkersburg South to open both this year and last year. But last year, they won nine straight 
right after that. This year, they got a win and then a two-point loss to Riverside. So if you're Ripley, you really need to get on the right track and put some wins together fast if they're to make the playoffs. And for Marietta's season to not get out of hand, because certainly at 2-1, and one, they're not in bad shape, but things could go downhill in a hurry for the Tigers if they can't turn things around quickly. The stations of Seven Ranges Radio have some good games for you this week. That St. Mary's Ritchie County game airs on Light Rock 93R. WXCR has Tyler Consolidated against the Calhoun County Red Devils, and you probably wouldn't have believed that it's Calhoun County that's got the better record of those teams, but sure enough, that's where the Red Devils are, and that's where Tyler Consolidated is as a winless ball club. And then V96.9 has Parkersburg South and Princeton. The Patriots looking to go 4-0. This is the first time they've gone 3-0 and since 2004, and technically they went 4-0 and that year too, albeit one of those was a forfeit win. So the Patriots looking to go to 4-0, and that game will be on V96.9. Listen to us on SoundCloud. Download us there. You can also subscribe and download us on iTunes. Share the word. Thank you for sharing the podcast. And for those of you that respond to our Facebook polls and vote on those, thank you as well, because that provides some interesting content. This is a discussion that we have. You can chime in through Facebook, and I'll read and share my thoughts on the show every week. And I appreciate the feedback, and I appreciate the votes in the poll and the interaction. That's what makes this a lot of fun to do. Thank you for joining us once again on the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, I am the namesake, and until next week, enjoy. Enjoy the games, everybody. This has been the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and vote in our weekly poll. Come back next week for another new episode, and thanks for listening.